0: Oh, All right, we'll go ahead and get started. Did everyone get a handout? Oh, I okay. did. Here, I have an extra up here. Okay, oh, cool. Perfect. Anyone else? You want? Mm-hmm. Anyone? else? Handouts? Do you have the extras? Oh, yeah. Um, I like tend to make lots of extra copies for our large group every week <laughs> I make like so many copies and there's always like so much paper left over and I'm probably killing all these trees and it's really bad but that's a lot of information y'all didn't need <laughs> um, but um okay I'm glad y'all are here thanks for coming I know this is not the most fun topic to talk about while we're at the beach let's turn the lights um it's not the most fun topic to talk about while we're at the beach can someone hit that light switch back there Um, Nobody really wants to talk about body image when they have to go put on a bathing suit later on. Um, So, thanks for being troopers and being in here and being willing to enter into the awkwardness and the weirdness of this conversation Um, because it's hard and um, we're going to talk about that and I want you all to know that this is a girls only seminar, not because I don't think the boys aren't struggling with this too, but because I want you all to have the freedom to talk about this and ask questions and I want to make this pertinent to your struggles. so please stop me if you see me on the beach. Come and find me. My students aren't here, so I'm lonely and sad um, and need friends. Um, so come talk to me. I would love to process with you. Um, your campus ministers and your interns are here because they love you and they want to process with you. So like, please let know that this is a conversation, um, and I don't think that I have all the answers here, um, but I'm hopeful that it can be helpful to start. conversation both here and back at your campuses Um, so just to start off uh, my name is Leslie um, and I am on staff at Rhodes College it's a small liberal arts school you probably have never heard of in Memphis Tennessee Um, when RUF told me that's where I was going I was like wait what where is that what is that Um, but this is my fifth year there Um, I did three years of the internship and now I'm doing my second year on staff there um, so if you want to talk about the IEF internship, I have a few thoughts about it. I really like it. Um, and I'm also working on my master's in counseling, and um, eating disorders, body image is one of my focuses as I do that. So it's a topic I'm really passionate about. Um, it's a topic I have a lot of personal experience with. Um, so I'm excited to get to share with y'all today. Um, I have put my phone number on your sheets. Um, And that is because I know that it's hard to raise your hand and ask questions. There are some hard things that you're going to be thinking about. And so you can text me your questions if you want to do that instead of raising your hand. I'll leave time at the end to answer questions. And so if you are more comfortable texting me your questions, please feel free to do that. I'm not going to, like, figure out who sent me what. Like, that's not my goal. Um, So... Text them in, I will do my best to answer them. Um, If you want to text me later on with a question, feel free to do that, um, and I'll do my best to answer it. Um, Plus, it makes me feel better if you have your phone out. It makes me feel like you're texting me, not your boyfriend. So there you go. Um, But I understand that this is going to be a difficult seminar. Um, As women, I think we all struggle with our bodies, Um, and that's something that we uniquely struggle with. I was lying in my bed last night scrolling through Instagram, because that's a really healthy thing to do when you're trying to fall asleep, right? Um, and I, I, like, the Discover page on Instagram is my new favorite thing. I, like, love looking at it. And I was shocked, maybe because this topic is on my mind, but I was shocked at the number of weight loss, um, fitness, body image things that were popping up on my Instagram feed. Just as I was scrolling through Um, and I just think it's something we're bombarded with constantly. Um, I think it's something that y'all probably thought about as you packed to come to the beach, as you decided what bathing suits you were going to wear, what outfits you were going to wear, what boys were going to be here. Like, it's something that we're thinking about. Um, it's something that we think about when we sit down to eat. I think it's constantly on our minds. And that makes it really hard, because it feels like we can't escape it. Um... And I know that some of you are here because you deeply love someone who is really wrestling with this and you don't know how to care for them. So I'm going to try to address all of those things. We have two hours, so again, it's not going to answer all your questions, um, but I hope that it will start a conversation. And I also think it's really important to tell you all this. Um... Because I want you to know that I'm not preaching at you. I'm not lecturing you from a place of I have all the answers. I've got this figured out. And so here's here's what you should know. Um, but instead, I'm coming from a place of really re- um, really struggling with this myself and not knowing all the time what to do and um, making poor choices with my body image and um, the way I've handled it. Um, so I'm going to share a little bit of my personal story. And this is not to like burden y'all with that or make you feel um like you have to have my story to be here but just so you know that like we all have struggled with this in deep ways um and i want y'all to see um that i, I get it and i want to talk to you out of that understanding um so my story kind of starts in middle school with body image um i I don't know in middle school if y'all had this problem, but I was up here and the boys were all down here. Um, And I really struggled with being bigger than everyone. Um, I felt taller, I felt larger. um, I felt like my friends were all cuter. um, And I remember vividly things that were said to me during that time. I remember when people would say things to me like, oh, it looks like you've lost weight today um, or this week. Um, I remember those things, they're seared into my brain. I also remember sobbing in the bathroom at our little school because some boy, because he was a middle school boy and didn't know anybody, told me that I looked like a polar bear in my school picture. Um, and throughout high school, I was an athlete and um, was really involved in swimming, which body image is tough when you wear a bathing suit all the time, like I said. And so food and exercise became a way for me to con- exert control. It was a way for me to continue to control what looks like, how I was succeeding, um, and in college that continued um, when eating became a means of proving my worth. Um, I had this skewed prideful view that somehow if I didn't eat a meal or I skipped a meal or if I was a certain size that that meant I was better at school or that meant I was more deserving of a boy's attention or that I would, my friends would finally see me as the most fun and the cool person um, if I was beautiful and looked a certain way or fit in a certain way. And in each of these instances, I think what I was doing was rather than looking to Jesus and finding my worth in him, I was determined that I could prove my own worth, that I could somehow make myself worthy and make myself okay. If I just skipped one more meal, if I just didn't care, I could. if I could look just like those other girls who I thought were popular and more and fit in better, then I would be okay. Then I would be lovable, and then I would be worthy. And when difficult life events hit, when I had hard things happen, I convinced myself that I could regain control by restricting my eating and by exercising more. And it took a good friend. um, She's one of my One of the dearest people in my life, she did college with me and then did the internship with me, and she, uh, two summers ago, locked me in her car with her in the middle of Texas in July on the highway. I could not get out. I could not escape, and she confronted me just about my relationship with food, Um, and y'all, it's been really beautiful to see how through that conversation and through her walking alongside me, through meeting with a counselor, um, through different relationships jesus is putting me back together and what jesus is teaching me is that he doesn't love me because i'm beautiful but i'm beautiful because he loves me and i'm really hopeful that that's what we can walk away with today that jesus is redefining our definition of beauty and that jesus loves you who he made you to be he didn't make any mistakes he's not upset with who you are but that he sees you and he loves you, and that's what gives you great work and great beauty. Um, So that's my story, and it may be very similar to yours. It may be very different than yours, and that's okay. But my guess is that something in there probably rings true for a lot of you, that there's some struggle that you share with me. Um, Over my five years of ministry, this is probably the conversation I have over and over and over again because it's a deep struggle And I think in particular, the college campus is a really hard place. Because y'all live under a microscope. I don't know if y'all realize how hard it is to be on the college campus, but it's hard. I don't think there's anywhere else where someone says, you have to have the perfect major to get the perfect job. You have to look perfect while you do it. You have to have the cutest clothes, go to the best parties. Like, y'all are under intense amounts of pressure. And it's a difficult environment to view our bodies in healthy ways. So today what we're going to talk about is why I think it's important that we have a body and that we talk about our body. And then sort of the skewed ways that we view our body and how sin has broken our views of our body. So today's a little heavier. I promise, wade through it with me. And tomorrow we're going to talk about Jesus and how beautiful he is and how much he loves us. Um, So tomorrow will be... We'll be better, I promise. But bear with me through the heavy stuff, because I think it's really important to get through it. So why is it important to talk about our bodies? Um, Yeah, we were created with bodies. God didn't make a mistake when he made you with a body. Um, Your physical body is a plan for God, that is God's perfect plan for creation. He wanted you to have the body that you have. Um, And I think we live between two different extremes a lot of the times. We have this extreme that a lot of um, very conservative people have sort of adopted, this idea that the body is bad, like, don't ever love your body, don't ever care about your body, like, you don't need to be thinking about the fact that you're beautiful, hide yourself. And we also live on this extreme that we're only physical, that your body and what you can do physically is all that matters. And neither of those is biblical, and neither of those is how God created us physically. So I want to look at Genesis 1, and 31, which talks about how we were created. And it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So there's a couple of things I think are really important in this passage. The first is that God creates man with the body. Adam and Eve could have been these little ghosts floating around, spiritual, ethereal beings, but they're not. God makes them physically with the body. And that's seen in the physical commands that they're given. They are told to be fruitful and multiply. They're told to have sex. They're told to have this physical relationship. And we can do a whole other seminar on what that means and what its context is um, in terms of marriage. But what they're told to do is to be physical with one another, to embrace their physical bodies. They're also told to rule over creation. And what that means is not that they're supposed to crush creation, or have um, to abuse it, but they're supposed to care for and tend the physical world. And the way that they do that is through their physical bodies. God, I think this is so beautiful, that you are given a physical body so that you can care for the people and the things around you. That's why God gave you this body, not to punish you, not so that we can be ashamed, but so that we can live in community and love one another. And then finally, we see the importance of their physical body because God here commands them to eat. And y'all, that's so hard for us, but it's so important. God made Adam and Eve with the need to eat. This wasn't a mistake that we have to eat food. Our desire for food is good. God looks at man when he creates him, and what does he say? He says, it was very good. And that very good is not this, all right, I'm done, I'm walking out. But that very good is the good of ultimate satisfaction, that God is completely satisfied in who he has made, which means in their physical bodies and in the need to eat that he's given them. Notice also that God creates man in his image. Lillian Barger, um, who has written this book called um, The Revenge of Eve, um, is, is that like. Ease Revenge. Revenge. Thank you. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Ease Revenge. Um, it's a phenomenal book, um, and I highly recommend it if you're thinking about what does it look like to live in the body and to understand it from a biblical perspective. Um, but she talks about the image of God in this way. She says, the image is born in a concrete and specific embodiment, continually reminding us of the creative works of God. In other words, that God chose you physically to bear his image because that was the way that he was most creatively going to show who he was through you. And that's why I think it's so important that we understand that the body is a good thing and it's a beautiful thing and that we are created body and spirit for a reason, that we're not just physical and we're not just these spiritual beings, but that those two things are united in us and that's part of what makes our bodies a gift. So I think we need to start to see our bodies as ways that we can embrace community with one another. Ways that we've been given to love each other. That we've been given to serve God as opposed to these burdens that weigh us down. But the other really important thing in understanding why the body is so important is that when God talks about our redemption, it's not just a spiritual redemption. He doesn't just talk about saving us spiritually, but he talks about a physical redemption that he's working in us and in this world. Christ came in a body, he lived in a body, he died in a body, and then he rose again in that same body so that our bodies could be redeemed. And just like bodies are at the beginning of the Bible, they're also at the end of the Bible, which I think is so cool. They bookend our story. Revelation 21 3 says, And behold, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This word dwell, I think, is really important, because you don't dwell unless you're physically present. It's this idea that we are going to be physically present in this new heavens and new earth, in this perfect recreation, both with each other and with God. That our bodies are an important part of that new heavens and new earth. So from start to finish, there's this emphasis that our bodies are good things, that they're gifts. Yet, I don't think we really view them that way, do we? I think we wrestle with it. We hate our bodies, if we're being totally honest. We hate who God made us to be. And so, what I want to talk about now is why. Why do we hate our bodies, and why do we wrestle with body image so much? I think one of the biggest misconceptions about body image and about eating disorders is that it simply revolves around a broken idea of food and weight, and that's definitely part of it, but it's not simply that. Instead, the ways we seek to control weight and the ways we seek to control food are ways for us to try to mask larger sins and deeper issues. It becomes a type of self-flagellation and a source of control when our own sin and our brokenness and the brokenness of others that's been put on us and the brokenness of the world overwhelms us. It's a way of responding to the brokenness we, we see instead of turning to Jesus. And I think ultimately we wrestle with our bodies because we all really wrestle with shame. Um, I have a whole other seminar that I teach on shame, so I can wax eloquent on this for a long time but um, I just think shame is at the root of a lot of what we struggle with Um, and there's this phenomenal woman who I'm determined one day I'll make my best friend her name is Brene Brown Um, and if you haven't listened to her TED talk on shame and vulnerability you need to do that Like lay on the beach today and watch it because it's awesome and she just hits the nail on the head and she has this great book called Daring Greatly about it as well And it just gets at the essence of, I think, what we struggle with. Because what she says is, shame is this feeling of, I am wrong. That shame is believing that because of what we did, because of what was done to us, we are unworthy. And what it does is it causes us to wallow in our sin. Instead of looking to Jesus and looking to the gospel and seeing our sin as being nailed to the cross and defeated... What it does is it turns us into ourselves and we wallow in our own feelings of unworthiness and unacceptability. It attacks the very idea that we were made in the image of God and that we are worthy and loved. And I think in doing that, for us as women, uniquely, it attacks our shame attacks our body image because we feel unworthy because of what we look like. And so we feel shame. And we also seek to mask our shame through our appearance. We think if we can make ourselves appear a certain way, if we can not eat or overeat enough to stop caring, if we can fit into a certain size, that maybe, maybe these feelings of shame and unworthiness will go away. And I think our shame comes from three distinct areas that we're going to talk about. Um, the first is our own brokenness. The second is the brokenness around us. And then the third is because of things that have been done to us. So our shame tells us that our brokenness makes us unworthy. So what do we try to do? We try to prove ourselves as worthy. We seek to justify and save ourselves. And I think that's a lot of where I see. Sorry, that's a lot of where our um, our body image struggles come in as we try to make ourselves worthy. Um, and I think big ways that we do that are through pride, perfectionism, and control. I think a lot of times our eating becomes a way of trying to show ourselves as better, to show ourselves as superior to someone else because we didn't eat that meal, or we did eat that meal, or we ran one more mile, or we didn't worry about running today. We're seeking to prove ourselves superior and our own brokenness and our own need to be better instead of resting in Jesus drives us again and again to hurt our bodies in order to prove that. And I think we also all, maybe not all, but a lot of us, struggle with perfectionism. We believe that if we're perfect, if we look the right way, if people love us, then we'll be okay. Then we can save ourselves. So we don't eat that meal, because maybe if we lose that weight, that boy will pay more attention. Or maybe... If I skip a meal and get an A on this test, my parents will love me more. And so our perfectionism and our desire, again, to save ourselves and be our own Jesus drives us to mutilate our bodies. And I think, finally, one of the biggest things that we can struggle with in this area is control. I think, in many ways, our attempts to exert, to harm our bodies, our struggle with our body image is that we want to be in control. We want to be able to say that we're okay and we're enough and prove that ourselves. And y'all, I'm right there with you. I hate not being in control. It is like one of my biggest pet peeves when my calendar is not lining up with my day and things are the way I set them out and it's supposed to be. I want to be in control. Because if we can fix this, If we can make everything fit into our mold, maybe, just maybe, we can prove that we're okay. And the way that we can do that, a lot of times, is by being in control of how we look like. Because when everything else seems out of control, don't we think that we can maybe be in control of one thing and that's how we appear? Um, My friends in college used to tease me about this. They used to be able to tell my stress level because... (laughs) When I wasn't stressed I was walking around in um, Nike shorts and a t-shirt but if I was stressed I would get dressed up because I thought somehow it would make me feel better um, which is bizarre and funny um, but like I think that was an attempt for me to control one thing when everything else seemed crazy and I didn't know what to do and I think we are also struggling with our bodies because we feel our own sin in really deep ways and we don't know what to do about it. Um, We feel our sexual sin. Um, We're wrestling with that thing we said to our roommate that we wish we hadn't said, with relationships that we feel like we've destroyed. And so controlling our weight, controlling our bodies seems like a way to make us feel better about that. But not only are we ourselves broken, but it gets better. We live in a broken world, too. The world around us is broken. And the college culture, like I said, is a magnifying glass for that. It's an incredibly difficult environment for body image. Um, in many ways, I think beauty and appearance become synonymous with worth on the college culture. Um, and it's so funny to me how it takes different forms at different schools. Um, so I am a UVA for undergrad, and at UVA, um, there's this thing um, at football games, we say guys in ties, girls in pearls. So you wear a, a dress and pearls to a football game, and you don't wear a t-shirt. And so like, that, that's the UVA culture. But then um, my sister, I'm going to pick on her, she goes to Auburn, and I always tease her because she has these like huge t-shirts, and I'm like, those are dresses, those aren't t-shirts, but that's what you wear at Auburn, you wear these big t-shirts. Um, I have friends who went to um, Virginia Tech were like, having the perfect Kavu bag and the perfect chacos and, like, perfect hiking gear. Like, it's different at each school, but aren't we all trying to fit into this standard of appearance? And I think y'all can figure out what it is at your own campus, but we're all trying to find the way that we can measure up to this culture of appearance. Um... I think we also out- live in this culture where we have to look good all the time. And I think a big part of that is um, selfie culture. Y'all, that's what I'm gonna call it. I hate selfies. They drive me up a wall because it is not you. Like, you are not taking a picture of you when you wake up in the morning and haven't put makeup on and are like, stumbling to the coffee pot you're taking a picture of you when you have your makeup on and you have the perfect angle and it's not real like when we post those pictures it is not real it's a way that we want to portray ourselves to the world and I think social media creates this too and y'all please don't hear me saying that you shouldn't be taking selfies I think that I take them I think it's a lot easier sometimes than awkwardly asking someone to take a picture of you and um Don't hear me saying you shouldn't use social media. Instagram is one of my loves. I love Instagram. But I think we do need to think about how we're using social media. Because Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, those aren't our real selves. I think that there is a self that we think we need to portray on those social medias. And we're constantly being bombarded through those social media outlets by how our culture is telling us to look. That there's a certain way we should look, a certain way we should appear. And I think we're constantly feeling like we can't measure up to that. That we're never enough because so-and-so went to that party and looked ten times cuter. Or we didn't even know that party was happening. We didn't get invited. And the other day, I was standing in the grocery store just looking at the headlines on the magazines. And since I've been working on this talk and this has been on my mind, I guess this is what stood out. But these were the headlines in the magazines at the grocery store. Get trim and toned in 23 minutes. Why is 23 the magic number? I have no idea, but apparently it is. Stop your skin from aging. Get golden goddess makeup. Get younger, fresher, and firmer. We live in a culture that is constantly telling us we need to look different and look better. We can't get away from it. And I think it's interesting to see how we adopt this in our own lives. Y'all, I run um, and I put mascara on to go for runs. How ridiculous is that? And we have like this uniform that we have to work out in. We have like the cute Nike shorts that we wear, or we pay hundreds of dollars for Lululemon, which we're just gonna get sweaty and gross. Like the fact that we have this culture that constantly tells us how we should look, even when we're working out, is crazy to me. We're constantly comparing ourselves, and our beauty is becoming defined not by what Jesus says we are and not by the worth that he says he gives us, but by the cultural norms around us. Lewis Meads has this great book called Shame and Grace. Um, <clears throat> sorry. And he um, he writes in that book this quote. Um, the book's out of print now, so if you want to get it, you have to go to, like, Amazon used books. But um, it's a great book. I highly recommend it. But what he says is, our secular culture... Culture tells us that if a person wants to be acceptable, she must look good, feel good, and make good. The self we are supposed to be comes in a spelt body, draped in designer clothes, and capped with a gorgeous face. Further, she feels fantastic about herself. She feels seductive, alive, adorable, and wholly fulfilled. Y'all, that's absurd. Who can do that? And that's exhausting. And it's going to be continually defeating. I don't know that I have ever felt seductive, alive, adorable, and wholly fulfilled. And if that is the standard that we're measuring ourselves against, if that's what's telling us what's when we're enough and when we're worthy, we're going to constantly feel shame because we're never going to live up to that. And there's going to be one more person who looks better, looks thinner, has better control, and we're going to be stuck in this cycle. Of eating and obsessing about our bodies, because this is not redemption, and this is not love, and this is not a way of viewing our bodies in a way that's honoring and fitting who God made us to be. And not only does our culture emphasize this appearance script, but I think it also emphasizes the success script that goes along with appearance that makes body image even harder. So in that quote that I just gave you from Smedes, he goes on to say, to top it off, she makes a lot of money and has considerable clout with important people. If we're too fat or too thin, too poor or too powerless, our culture expects us to feel shame. Because if we're not succeeding and looking the right way, I think we feel like we're not enough. And our body image plays into our success scripts. Um, We're expected to look pretty, And do it all effortlessly and without breaking a sweat. Um, Are any of y'all Scandal fans in here? Um, I think Olivia Pope, I love Scandal, Um, this is not a dig at Scandal, but I think Olivia Pope is such a good example of this. Olivia can't fall apart, ever. And when she does, like, everything falls apart. Um, She has to look perfect Um, maintain our job perfectly, solve all of DC's problems all the time and I think this is what we live in, this area where we can't ever fall apart, we can't ever make a mistake, we can't ever look wrong or not dress the right way. Um, I think you all feel incredible pressure to pick the right major and get the right grades and we feel shame when we don't achieve those. I think about how often um, in college I lied about my GPA like, all the time, because I thought it made me look bad if I was honest about my GPA. Or lying on our resumes, I mean, how often do we do that? It's like, oh, I worked at the bookstore, and, you know, I managed some people and counted the money, and all of a sudden you're CEO of the bookstore by the time you're done crafting your resume. Um, But we simply cannot rest and enjoy who God made us to be. We're constantly striving to appear different and to look different. And the stress and fear of messing up, of not meeting these standards that are placed on us by maybe our parents, by our schools, by ourselves, is what is often leading us to hate and abuse our bodies more and more. And body image also bombards us when we think about relationships. Right now, what dominates the college scene, I think, is the party and the hookup culture. And that culture is constantly telling you you have to look a certain way and appear a certain way and be willing to give your body in a certain way. And we all, I think, desperately want someone to tell us that we're lovely. Um, And we're willing to harm our bodies um, and do things with our bodies that we're not comfortable with in order to get that. We're living in a sex-driven culture that doesn't tell us that... Sorry, y'all, I woke up with allergies or something. My throat is... um, But we're living in a sex-driven culture that's constantly telling us that our bodies are not enough. Um, I think this is where we see the impact of pornography in a really, really sad way. Um, Because the porn that you're looking at, the porn that the boys that you know are looking at, that's not real. Those bodies aren't real. And it is an abuse and a manipulation of our physical bodies. But that impacts how we view each other and how we view sex and how we relate to each other. And it impacts how we look at our bodies in the mirror. And I think the emphasis that we put on relationships um, can really cause us to harm our bodies in deep ways. Many of you also in this room um, wrestle with body image because of what's been done to you. Many of you have experienced deep hurt. Um, someone's walked away and said they don't want to date you anymore. Someone's walked away and said that they don't love you. Um, maybe a parent, maybe a friend. Um, and we think, maybe if I just looked better, maybe if I'd just done better, this wouldn't have happened. And so we start to abuse our bodies in order to achieve that. And then some of you in here are struggling with abuse, whether that be sexual, emotional, physical. If you're dealing with that right now, what I want to say is I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what happened to you because you did not deserve that, and what you did did not call for that. You did not do anything to make that happen. And what abuse does is it leads us to hate who we are. It makes us feel guilty, and it makes us feel shame. And it's wrong because it's someone else's sin harming us. But now it leaves us in a really hard place, doesn't it? Because it leaves us to hate our own bodies because of what someone else has done to us. And this form of shame caused by other sin is really hard because it leaves, we don't know how to handle it. And so often it, we, we abuse ourselves because it seems like there's no escape. And we feel deep shame because we feel like it's our fault. And so these appearance and these eating habits and these exercise become identities when nothing else seems like it can be an identity. It seems like it can be a place where we can find our worth and our hope. And it becomes an obsession. And it leads to some unhealthy patterns of thinking about our bodies. Maybe we can just stop caring, so if we just keep eating, we can finally be okay. Or maybe we care too much, and so we stop eating altogether. So our bodies can look a certain way. And what this starts to look like is it looks like, um, I mean, it, there's been a rise in our culture of eating disorders. It's a huge issue, um, a rise in how um, how we think about our bodies, how we think about dieting. Um, and these feelings of inadequacy and these feelings of shame and worthlessness are manifesting themselves in really really huge ways across America. Um, statistically speaking, this is becoming a huge problem. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever looked at um, the National Eating Disorders Association website. Um, if you go there and this is something you wrestle with, just be aware, it can be tri- triggering. Um, but they have some statistics. Um, and one of the things I say is um, 91% of female college students have tried to control their weight through dieting. Over 50% of teenage girls use unhealthy, restrictive measures to lose weight. Um, And anorexia has actually become the most fatal mental disorder in the country. Um, So it's surpassed suicide um, and some other things. And body image is something that we're deeply wrestling with. We're critical of it. We look in the mirror and we hate ourselves. And it's something that we're constantly obsessing about and has become an idol. Um, and we're putting it in the place of Jesus in our lives. Um, and it's actually becoming a disease. Y'all, I really want to emphasize here um, that there are lots of different levels of body image, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. But um, you can wrestle with it on a huge spectrum, and wherever you are in that spectrum it's okay. And it's be honest and talk to someone about that. And don't feel like it's not severe enough. Um, because it's a slippery slope, and it can get really challenging. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about what eating disorders are and define those for you, because I think we're broken people. We're broken spiritually. We're broken physically. We're broken mentally and emotionally. And so eating disorders, I would tell you, are a disease, um, and that's a way that we demonstrate that we are broken. Um, it's a way that our physical brokenness manifests itself. Um, So, the first thing I want to talk about in this is disordered eating, Um, and this is not clinically diagnosable, disordered eating, and I think it's probably where a lot of us live on the spectrum in terms of we're not in need of treatment, but we still really wrestle with this. Um, And disordered eating is a real thing. It is not some made-up thing, and it's something that a lot of people struggled with. but what it does is it revolves around an unhealthy view of food and exercise. Um, so it involves binge eating, crash dieting, um, compulsive working out, counting calories. And it can involve many of the unhealthy behaviors involved in eating disorders, but they aren't, it's not to the extreme. And I think this is where um, a lot of us spend our time. Um, we list off to ourselves what we've eaten that day to see if we can eat that cookie that maybe is that Bible study. Um, we push ourselves to the point of injury at the gym. We spend our time obsessing about how healthy we are eating. Um, I think we can fall on the spectrum in two ways. We can think about food in really unhealthy ways and binge on cake and cookies. And, or we can think, Oh, I'm just being super healthy. And so we fall on the spectrum and thinking, I'm caring for my body by being healthy. And we're obsessing in that way. But then you also have eating disorders, um, and so the first one that I'm going to talk about is anorexia, um, and this is a refusal to maintain body weight at or above what's normal for your age, um, and it can involves restricting and a denial of the seriousness of low current body weight. Um, the second one is bulimia, and that is this cycle of binging and purging, um, and it involves eating in a two-hour period an amount of food. Um, that a huge amount of food and then purging that amount of food um, and under this you also have exercise bulimia which is um, using exercise as a purging technique and then in the DSM which is the diagnostic statistic manual for um, mental disorders um, they've just added a new one which is binge eating disorder which is where um, you are just it's characterized by recurrent episodes of binge eating without the purging. Um, And I know that that's a lot to sort of take in and handle, but I think it's important for y'all to know kind of what's out there and the ways that people struggle with this um, and to put a name on it. Because I think if we can put a name on what we're struggling with, it makes it easier to start to talk about. And there are a couple other areas that are gaining prevalence. Um, These are not in the DSM yet, but there's conversations about whether they will be. And the first is orthorexia, and this is an obsession with healthy eating, where we're constantly obsessing over how healthy is our food, are we eating healthily enough. Um, And then another one, and I don't know if this is the term that's actually going to stick around, but it's called drunkorexia. I think this is really prevalent on the college campus. Um, It's the abuse of alcohol as a purging technique. So what happens is you think, um, okay, I'm drinking tonight. And I'm taking in calories, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to drink so much so that I purge myself of those calories. And So it's on the binge and purge spectrum, but in a little bit of a different way. And all of these things, from disordered eating to the eating disorders, are lead us into this idea of body shame. We feel shame for our body, and we feel like we're stuck in these cycles. And our attempts to control our shame and our failures when we purge that one more time, it leads us to more shame. It's this cycle that we feel like we can never get out of. And it leaves us feeling unworthy, and it always is going to demand more of us, and it's going to distance us from community. And as it distances us from community, it distances us from our friends, from our loved ones, and from the Lord. And y'all, we were created for more than that. You're created to be in community. Like I said, this is why we have these bodies, so that we can love one another and we can experience that love. And I think what we're all longing is for someone to tell us that we're worthy and we're loved, that everything really is going to be okay. And this is where the gospel is really beautiful, because what Jesus does is he enters a physical body into this world so that you can know that your physical body is not only okay. It's perfect and beautiful and loved. And that he wants you to live in that body and to love others and to love yourself in that body. And that's where we're going to pick up tomorrow. So thanks for waiting through with me today. Um, we have some time. Are there any questions? I'm stumped a lot on you. Yeah. Um, so, how would you know if you if you or someone else, like, had disorder eating or mm-hmm. had, like, one of the actual eating disorders? Yeah. Um, so, I'm going to say never self-diagnose, um, especially eating disorders. Um, I mean, I think that you can start to see patterns. Like, if this person is binging and purging a lot, you can start to see those patterns. Um, something that happens in the binge and purge cycle is... Um, There'll be a time after every meal where they will get up and go to the bathroom um, to purge. Um, I think you can start to see patterns. Um, but a lot of times, um, like anorexia is a hard one. It's hard to know like when someone is restricting. Um, so I would say if you think that you are struggling with it or if you think someone else is struggling with it, you need to get outside help. You need to get them into a nutritionist, get them to see a doctor or talk to a campus minister. Um, get other resources involved um, it's hard to know where the line is and the line is different for everybody which is what makes like diagnosing mental disorders really challenging right. um, but I would always say like especially um, I mean if you think you yourself are struggling with it like you're your own best judge and like to someone and they may they'll be able to help you An outside perspective can be really honest but also in terms of loving someone like it's okay to trust your gut like especially if you know that person really well Um, and we're going to talk tomorrow about ways that we can have conversations with people that we love who wrestle with this um, because it does really involve being in a relationship with that person and if you're going to point it out being willing to walk with them because I think the worst thing you can do with someone who's struggling with this is say, hey, this is a problem, and walk away. Um, so um, I think it's okay for us to be bold and say, hey, like, what's going on? Um, but then we have to be willing to wade through the hard stuff, so but yeah, good question. Any other questions? All right, y'all, go get lunch.